let God show you um, his love this Easter Sunday and who he is. This is a story that Jesus tells in Luke chapter 15, verse 11. It says, Jesus, command, Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had and set off for a distant country and squandered all of his wealth and wild living. After he had spent everything, why don't you say everything? After it was all gone, there was a severe famine in, um, in that whole country and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of the country who sent him to his field to feed the pigs. He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. Some kind of hungry. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food enough to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. But while he was still a long way off, I love that part, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him and kissed him. The son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you, and I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his servants, Quick, bring the best robe and put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate, for this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Isn't that beautiful? Amen. Let's, let's pray this morning. Lord, thank you for your word. Thank you for Easter. Lord, would you um, speak more than what I could ever say? Lord, you can change hearts and lives. Lord, do what I could never do. Let us see your amazing, amazing grace today. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I want to talk today on this uh, subject and title, simply this amazing grace. Could you say that with me this morning? Amazing grace. Amazing grace. You've probably heard that phrase before. You've probably heard that song before. It's the most famous song um, that's ever been written in the last uh, couple hundred years. It's sung by millions of people all around the world in every language. Whether you're a Christian believer or, uh, or not this morning, you've probably heard the song Amazing Grace. And it really begs the question, what is grace? <laughs> because grace is one of those words that's so common, so familiar, that it's easy to miss what it means. We, we, we use it all the time. We see it on signs. There's, you know, if you look in the dictionary, there's like 16 different variations of what grace means. Everything from a prayer that you pray over dinner to the way someone carries himself to someone's first name, grace. It's said all the time. But what, is, what does grace mean? It's kind of like Christianese. You know, it's one of those words like what is... What does it mean? And I guess the second question is, what's so amazing about it? What is grace? And, and what's, so, what's so amazing about this thing called grace? The, the man who wrote uh, the song Amazing Grace was a man named John Newton, and he wrote it in 1779. And uh, he, he was a ship captain. He, he captained a slave ship uh, from, from Africa to England. He was a very, he was a very wealthy man, 
um, in notable in his society at the time, and uh, and and he was going about his life um, doing well, and then as an older man, he found grace. That's why I love Scott's story that we heard because Scott said I was 50 years old and I thought I had it all together, but I realized I was missing grace. I was, I was missing something in my life and this wealthy, well-to-do ship captain came to the point where he came face to face with grace and face to face with the reality of God and, and, and maybe you can identify with this story a little bit that, that, that you, have there ever been a time in your life when you came face to face with grace and if there's never been a time, my prayer is that today would be the day where you would come face to face with the grace of God because I could tell you or read a definition about what grace is but, but it'll just be words unless you've experienced it. It's kind of like love. I could write an essay about what love is, but until you've been in love, it's just words on a page. Until you've been in love, you, you, you won't, it won't make sense what I'm saying. It's like my wife. Whenever I met Kara, if anyone's new, she was the one with child right here, right there on the front row. Very with child. We have two boys and one on the way. Pray for her. Uh, she is surrounded. But when, we, when I met her, I fell head over heels in L-O-V-E. We, we, met, um, we met one uh, night at a bonfire. It was like a church thing, and uh, I had a little group there that was singing, and the pastor of the church, when Kara got out of the car, the pastor of the church leans in my ear and says, Behold, your future wife. And I'm like, In the name of Jesus, I claim that, because I thought she was beautiful, and uh, it was love at first sight. I, 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 I met, we met that night, and about a year and a half later, we were married, but I, I would... I was crazy in love, and we, uh, I remember we would talk on the phone sometimes at night, and I would just say, baby, don't even hang up the phone. I just want to hear you breathe, and just you just sleep, and I'll just sleep, and we'll just stay on the phone all, all night long, and, and now after 12 years of marriage, we complain about each other's breathing all night long. You're breathing too loud, right? All the married folks said, hey, man, you know what I'm talking about, right? love and, and, and if you've never been in love all the stuff I'm talking about probably doesn't make much sense it's like grace when when you've experienced grace I, I, I like to say this you can't help but sing when you've experienced grace it's something that you, nobody has to make you sing it you just it's just something that comes down from the depths on the inside of who you are because you've experienced grace when the man John Newton who wrote Amazing Grace when he experienced it it not only changed his profession it changed his life it changed every aspect and, and, and crevice of his life it changed him completely when he, when he not had an experience with church when he didn't just have an experience with religion but when he had an experience with the grace of God when he had an experience with Jesus have you ever had a life-changing encounter and experience with Jesus. That's what changes everything. Jesus wants to encounter your life and change you forever. He's not just interested in just um, of, of leaving you where you are, but after you've encountered Jesus, he changes everything about you. Uh, I, I read this about a man that fell into a pit. It says, a man fell into a pit and couldn't get himself out. A subjective person came along and said, I feel for you down there in your pit. An objective person came along and said, it is logical that someone would fall into that pit. 
A Christian scientist came along and said, you only think you're in a pit. A Pharisee said, only bad people fall into pits. A news reporter wanted an exclusive story on the pit. A fundamentalist said, you deserve your pit. A Calvinist said, if you'd been saved, you'd never, you would never fallen into that pit. I'm offending like all kinds of people this morning. A Wesley had said, if you were, sa you were saved and still fell into that pit. A charismatic said, just confess you're not in the pit. A realist said, that's a pit. An IRS agent asked if he was paying taxes on the pit. The county inspector asked if they had a special permit for the bit, pit. An evasive person came along and avoided the subject of the pit altogether. A self-pitying person said, you haven't seen anything until you've seen my pit. A bookie said, chances are anyone could fall into the pit. An optimist said, things could get worse. A pessimist said, things will get worse. But Jesus, seeing the man, took him by the hand and lifted him up out of the pit. Are you thankful that Jesus lifted you out of the pit of life? He doesn't just leave us. He's not just looking at us and trying to figure out what he can do, but, but, but he lifts us and he changes our lives. And, and, and we just can't help but say, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. So I want to talk this morning on what is so amazing about grace. What's so amazing about grace? If you're taking notes, here's number one. What's so amazing about it is simply this. Grace is amazing because grace is for everyone. It's for everyone. We often say here at City Hills, we're a church for all people. And we say that because we serve a God who's a God for all people. That it doesn't matter the color of your skin. It doesn't matter where you come from. It doesn't matter your mistakes. It doesn't matter what your past has been like. It doesn't matter what your last name is. That you are loved by Almighty God. That grace is for anybody and everybody. The, the song says, amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. That whenever I was at my at the lowest place I grew up my pastor would say God could save you from the uttermost and from the guttermost that's what he would say that no matter where you find yourself in life that that grace is for you and grace is for me God's not just calling perfect people to follow him this Easter but Easter is all about the reality that Jesus died for the world that no matter where you found yourself here today that Jesus loves you and the gospel is for you Romans chapter 13 says everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved I want to say that word again everyone could you just join me with that everyone everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved so you know what that means that means you and that means me that if we call on the name of Jesus that grace is available for us God specializes in using imperfect, broken people. Maybe you have you say, "Well, God can never use me." Well, if you read the if you take a look at just a cursory look at the Bible, you realize the heroes of the Bible had big problems, had big situations in their life, but God loved them and used them anyway. Uh, I, I just have a simple list for you: Adam was a failure, Noah was a drunk, Abraham was too old, and Isaac was a daydreamer. Jacob was a liar and Leah was ugly. Moses had a stuttering problem and Gideon was too afraid. Rahab was a prostitute and Samson loved prostitutes. Jeremiah was too emotional and David had an affair and was a murderer. Elijah was suicidal. Isaiah preached naked. Jonah ran from God. Aren't you glad I'm not doing that today? 
Naomi was a widow. Jacob went bankrupt. John the Baptist ate bugs. Peter denied Jesus. The disciples fell asleep praying. Martha worried about everything. The Samaritan woman was divorced five times. Zacchaeus was too small. Paul was too religious. Timothy had an ulcer. And Lazarus was dead. What's your excuse? God specializes in using everyday, ordinary, broken people just like you and me. Amazing grace. How sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. Maybe you say, well, that's, that's all good preacher, but I, I'm not really a wretch. I'm kind of a good person. Maybe your story is like Scott's story that we saw. He's kind of a good person. Kind of have it together. I don't really feel like I'm much of a wretch, but I think John Newton, who wrote the song, wasn't so much being hard on himself, but rather was comparing himself to a holy God. He was saying, maybe in comparison to the people around me and my culture and society, I may be okay. And you and I may be okay. We may be good people in comparison to our neighbor or comparison to the murder that we see on the evening news or the terrorists that we see. Maybe we are a good person, but, 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 but what, could we this morning compare ourselves not to each other, but take a moment and compare ourselves to Jesus Christ? That's what the song Amazing Grace is saying. Not just, God, I'm broken, I need help, but God, I've looked at how broken I am in compared to how perfect you are and whenever I look at how perfect you are Jesus I look at myself and say I'm a wretch have you ever benchmarked yourself against the absolutely perfection absolute perfection of a holy God when you do it's staggering when you do it'll set you free and it opens you up to experience something like you never will any other way and you'll experience grace but you can't experience grace until you first are honest that you need it. It's like in the story that we read in Luke chapter 15, the, the young man went to his father and said, hey dad, I want my inheritance right now. Most of the time you get your inheritance after your parents have died, right? But he essentially looked at his dad and said, dad, I'm ready to leave the house. You're dead to me. Give me all my money right now. And the amazing thing is the father said, okay. You know, God could make us follow him if he wanted to God could tie our arms down and say you're going to worship me but you know what he lets us take our inheritance and run with it and he lets us leave home and make our own decisions so that we'll choose to love him for ourselves. and the prodigal runs out and realizes the the world without the father the world outside of the father's house wasn't what he thought it was he wasted all of his money and right whenever it was all gone and everything was gone it got worse a famine came in the land and and he, he, he was so hungry that he was feeding pigs, wishing. I grew, up in, I, I grew up hearing that he ate the food that the pigs ate. That's what I thought whenever I was reading this. But as I was reading it this week, no, he, could, he was so hungry, he couldn't even, nobody would even give him the pig's food to eat. That's some kind of hungry. And then he has a moment where it says, and he came to his senses. And he said, My, there's servants at dad's house that, that they have food and they have food enough to spare. And here I am, if I could put words in his mouth, a wretch. That dad is so perfect. Dad's house is so amazing that even his servants are happier than me. So, so I am going to be honest enough to say I need my father. And when he does that, he begins a journey that will change his life forever. And church, 
It, when you get honest with yourself and God and say, God, I'm tired of living my life my own way. I'm tired of trying to figure it out all by myself. Maybe you're 15 years old. Maybe you're 15 years old. Regardless of where you are, when you are honest enough to say, I can't do this life on my own, you start on a journey called grace. Because he goes back to his father and he says, here's the deal. If I could just be a slave at dad's house, that's what I'm going to do. I know I've made mistakes. I know I don't deserve it. And he goes back to his father's house and the scripture says, while he was still a long way off, the father saw him. That's simply to say that the, that the father was looking for him. The father, for him to see him a far way off, I can just see in my mind's eye the father standing on the front porch every day looking in the distance for his son. Every day he's looking to hope that that son will just come home, that he'll come over the hilltop and that he'll see his boy again. I want to tell you the father is looking for you. No matter how far you are away, he's looking for you. He's waiting for this day for you to come to your senses and say, I need you, God. And when he came to his senses, when the sun came over the hill, it wasn't as if the father stood there and said, well, look who's coming home now. That's how some of us think about God. Oh, another Easter service? Oh, good to see you again. See you at Christmas. Peace out. We kind of think about God like that, don't we? Like he's sitting there judging us because of our failures or our mistakes or what we're going through. But no, that's not what this illustration of the love of God and the grace of God is at all the moment the son comes over the hill the father goes running after the son I want to tell you God doesn't look at your mistakes today God loves you right where you are and he's so thankful he's so happy that you're coming home that you're beginning to come home and I love what the son says he says dad I've made so many mistakes he says would you help me I just want to be one of your slaves and it's as if the father ignores them altogether. He doesn't even acknowledge that. He says, quick, quick, bring me the best robe. Quick, kill the fatted calf. Somebody get the band going. My son has come home. He was dead, and now he's alive again. What is that? It's grace. He went home hoping to be a slave, but he became a son. He realized he was loved right where he was he, he got more than he ever thought he deserved and here's the second reason if you're taking notes why grace is amazing first of all grace is amazing because it's for everyone secondly grace is amazing because I don't deserve it I don't deserve it I don't deserve it the son if he, he had to say this is amazing I, can't, I came home to dad just just, just trying to be a slave, just hoping to have some food. And I didn't expect all this. This is absolutely amazing grace. Have you ever beheld grace for yourself in, in all its beauty? The, the, the writer of the song says, I was blind, but now I see. I can relate to that. For 17 years of my life, I was blind to grace. I was around religion and around church and all my life but I, but I knew about religion but I was blind to grace and one day at a at, 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 at a at a youth camp a student camp in a middle of nowhere town in Kentucky a small town named Summersville on a Tuesday night I found it's as if the scales fell off my eyes and I beheld grace 
for the first time. I pray today that you would behold and respond to the love of God here this morning. And I want to illustrate grace to you today, maybe in a way like you've never seen before. I pray it opens our eyes to what grace really is. You prepare your taxes, you send in your form and smile as you go to the mailbox thinking nobody will ever know what I've done. And six months later in the audit, it all comes out tax fraud. The trial goes quickly, the verdict is guilty, the, judge, the sentence is three years and the judge says serve every day of that three-year sentence and your debt's paid in full. This is called justice. Justice is simply this, getting precisely what you deserve. In other words, you, you do the crime, you pay the time. That's, that's justice. Second scenario, same tax fraud, same audit, same trial, same sentence, three years. But this time, for some reason, the judge says, you have a three-year sentence, but after you serve two years, I'm going to let you go free for that last year and you can spend the rest uh, with an ankle bracelet on at your house. This is called mercy. You, you deserve to spend three years in prison, in jail for what you did, but mercy says you get to go home before you should. Mercy is getting less than you deserve. And that's a wonderful thing. But scenario three is a little different. Same fraud, same audit, same trial, same sentence, three years. But this time, the judge walks across the street with you to the county jail. And as you go to be placed into the cell, the judge looks at you and says, I think the world of you, son. But because I took a vow to uphold the law, I cannot just cancel your sentence. But I can do this. And you watch as that judge moves past you to the cell himself and he pulls the bars close he says I can serve this sentence on your behalf and I can set you free and for the very first time the scales fall off your eyes and you behold grace you look around you think where's the camera at what's the catch what 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 what's happening what's going on I, I don't deserve this and the judge looks at you in the eye again and says I think the world of you go out and do something amazing with these next three years of your life and make me proud I love you and you stumble out of that county jail into the bright sunlight looking around thinking I don't deserve this this is absolutely amazing that's grace it's not justice it's not even mercy mercy would have been good enough it would have been good enough if God just didn't give us what we deserve but at the cross because of the resurrection because he got up from the grave on the third day he didn't just give us mercy but he gave us grace and grace is simply this receiving a wonderful gift that you could never deserve that you receive more than you ask for. It would have been enough if he just gave us some mercy 
from what we didn't deserve and justice of hell but he chose to give us something greater than mercy he chose to give us grace he chose to give us grace something so much greater because you and I had a death sentence on our life because of our sin but but God sent his only son to die on a sinner's cross so that you and I could have life and on the third day he rose again with all power in his hands so that we could have grace for God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life whoever believes what believes what do you mean whoever believes you're saying to me I can get all of that because I believe where's the candid camera where's the where's the where where's this this has to be a joke and God says oh no grace is not just amazing if you're taking notes grace is amazing first of all because it's for everyone second of all because I don't deserve it thirdly grace is amazing because it's free it's free you want eternal life I'm not asking you to work for it. I'm not asking you to earn it. I'm not asking for you to deserve it. I'm letting you know it's free for you. For by grace, you have been saved through faith. This is not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Salvation, grace, hope, that gift you don't deserve. It's available here today. And maybe you think like that prodigal, okay, Dad, let me work for it. I'm just going to be a slave, and maybe one day I'll work myself into your good graces. He says, no, just receive what I have done for you. Just receive it. Just say, Father, I, I need it. I, 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 I receive your grace. I receive your... Your, your love, I receive your salvation. It says in that verse that no one's going to go to heaven boasting about what they did for God. Because everyone in heaven's going to say, God, it's not what I did for you. God, it's all about what you did for me. I'm thankful for that. The writer says, when we've been there 10,000 years, bright shining as the sun we've no less days to sing God's praise than when we first began when we've been there are you sure about there grace is so shocking when you think of it <laughs> I want to share an illustration with you it's kind of kind of fun uh, because uh, I think a lot of shocking stuff happens in sports that's why we love it so much we, we live in I love where we live I, I love I love our college town. I, I love I love the fall and, and the excitement of what can happen at a at a football game. And, it, and it's as if it, I, I love those nail biter down to the wire kind of situations. I mean that's 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 what it, that's what it's all about. And I, I want to show you something. You probably didn't come to Easter thinking you're going to get to see or hear something about football. So go Vols anyway. But uh, 2011, uh, Michigan State was playing um, Wisconsin, and they were the underdogs. Wisconsin was undefeated and uh, going to be they were the favorites to be the national champion champions 
and, and Michigan State uh, fought hard, and it came down to the very, very last play of the game. I just want to show this to you uh, here um, this morning. Uh, the Michigan State-Wisconsin uh, game. Uh, check it out. Three-man rush. Cousins. On the last play of regulation. Chucks it to the end zone. Caught. Michigan State's caught it on a rebound. Caught. Hold on. It is just short of the end zone. Ball was caught by Keith Nickel. Take a look. Abraderis gets in the air and gets a hand on it. Nickel is right in the front. It comes right into his hands. Does the ball cross the plane? Taylor is fighting like crazy to prevent it from breaking the plane. Boy, it, it was really close. It was close. It was close. They got so close to being able to win. And the ruling on the field was that it was, it was not a touchdown. The ruling on the field was that it was over. And as I look at that, I think that's kind of how Satan thinks about our lives sometimes. That, and we look at our lives. That the ruling on the field is that we've made too many mistakes. The ruling on the field is that it's all over. But in 2004, college football instituted the instant replay uh, uh, rule where any close call gets thrown up to the judge upstairs. Come on, somebody. You can preach with me this morning. <laughs> gets thrown up to the judge upstairs and the judge upstairs has an opportunity to overrule the ruling on the field and has an opportunity to look at it and to say if the ruling on the field stands or if the ruling on the field is overturned so so let's see what happens everybody then good old Michigan State Abraderis gets up in the air the ball goes off of Sims and Cunningham Nickel is right there and Taylor's doing everything he can to keep the ball away from breaking the plane. So instant replay will decide it. Remember, the call on the field is no touchdown. Indisputable to turn this over. Remember that as Nickel was battling and Taylor had him wrapped up. After further review, the runner did cross the line. Touchdown, Michigan State. I love that. With a miracle ending. You know they got to be pumped up, right? I'd be excited, you know. I, I, we'd, be, we'd be excited. Why? Because the, the judge overturned the ruling on the field. That the ruling on the field didn't stand because the one upstairs changed the ruling. You follow me this morning? I thought, what a picture of what happened on Easter. You know all of hell was shouting whenever the Son of God was crucified on that cross. You know all of hell was saying, oh yeah, the ruling on the field, it's over. The Son of God is dead. There's no hope for humanity. All hell has overcome and conquered. But when the ruling went up to the judge in the heavens, God the Father said, oh no, the ruling on the field field is overturned and on the third day Jesus got up again and the ruling on the field was changed he got up with all power all, all might and all strength and because that ruling was overturned because the grave could not keep our savior down the ruling whatever is the hell has on our on the field of our life can be overturned as well because of amazing grace this morning on the back of your worship guide there's simply the song Amazing Grace. And there's a couple lines that I've added there. And I just, I want to invite you to participate, whether you've been taking notes up to this point or not. 
make this message more than just a message, but make it something that changes you for the rest of your life. And my hope and prayer is you'll never sing this song we're about to sing, Amazing Grace, ever the same again. The first line there in the middle of the page says that saved a wretch like me. If you're here this morning and you're honest enough to say, I need God. You benchmark yourself against the holiness of God and you say, I'm a wretch. I'm a sinner. Romans said, all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. If you're here today and you say, yes, I'm a sinner, I invite you to write your name right there on that line. Just saying, yes, God, I know I need you. I'm a wretch. Then the second line says, was blind, but now I see. You can find that on your notes there. And I invite you right there to write the date of when you saw grace for the first time. Maybe it was an era. Maybe it was in years gone by. And just write the year. Or maybe it's today. You say, I see, I'm seeing grace like I've never seen before. Right, Easter 2018 right there and lastly at the top of your page it says when we've been there 10,000 years are you sure about there do you want to give your life to Jesus today and be sure that you've received that grace if so I just right there in that line just write the word gift it's a gift Grace is a gift that's available to you today. I'd love to just pray for us now. If you're here and you're seeing grace for the first time, I just invite you to pray uh, with me here this morning. Just a prayer, just receiving the grace of God here this Easter weekend. You say, Jesus, I need you. Thank you for your grace. I receive it today. I believe it today. Lord, I give my life to you today. Thank you for your grace. In Jesus' name, amen. Church, can we just stand to our feet all over the